Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Neglected Art of Tracking. Hello, everyone. Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast with another article from the good old days. This one is all about what I call the art or the neglected art of tracking. You know, it used to be back in the days of the woodsmen like Daniel Boone. Well, hunters were just great trackers. And we've sort of gotten away from that. But boy, when you get the right conditions and you track animals, it is exciting, it is fun, and it is productive. So let's go back to about 1998 when this article appeared in American Hunter magazine. And it's called The Neglected Art of Tracking by Ron Spomer. Who else? (laughs) He's the only guy who's on this show. Hunting isn't rocket science but it does present a problem in Einsteinian physics, specifically something called the time-space continuum. Don't let this scare you off. You've probably fallen victim to the time-space continuum before. Remember the last fresh buck tracks you saw? The big ones that were practically smoking hot? Well, that was time-space continuum at work. I'm no physicist, but as I understand it, time-space continuum means that no two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. Getting within spitting distance of the space occupied by a big buck isn't too difficult. The hard part is getting there at the right time. Fail, and all you'll find are tracks. Which are nature's way of proving time-space continuum is more than just a highfalutin theory. Such near misses have frustrated predators since life began and are summed up succinctly in that old rock song lyric, Might have been the right place, so must have been the wrong time. So, how do you beat the time-space continuum? Once you find those fresh tracks, you have at least two options. One is to travel faster than the speed of light until you've zipped past the reflected image of the buck in question and you shoot him as you're going by. Alternatively, you could follow those tracks at something less than the speed of light 
catch up to the deer in real time and shoot him before he knows you're in the universe. Given the current state of time travel, I'm going with the second option. Tracking is one of the oldest but least practiced hunting skills in this country. Why? Partly because of rocket science. Really. Because of all the technological gadgets that NASA has invented and Madison Avenue has foisted on us over the years, we've abandoned primitive woodsmanship in favor of technology. We have trail monitors and cameras, infrared heat sensors, illuminated bow and rifle sites, GPS units, and all-terrain vehicles, but none of this stuff can match a good tracker for finding game. A tracker like Rome, for instance. Rome is an artist of the imprint. In his native Zimbabwe, this middle-aged man can spot an obscure hoof print in the red dust and tell you if it was made by a cow or a bull 10 minutes or two hours ago. One July noon, Rom studied the area around a livestock watering tank and reported that a herd of Eland had wandered by four hours earlier. There was an old bull in the bunch. We decided to follow and find him. I see the tracks Rom has signaled out, but to me, they're just a maze of confounding indentations. They're crisscrossing one another, interrupting older tracks, mixing with domestic cattle prints, wandering here and there as that herd feeds. See here, the professional hunter Rusty Labashani says as he lifts a broken Mapani branch. This is where they were feeding. They used their horns to reach up and twist off high branches. Then they eat the leaves. The bark is still damp. We're getting close. Ram continues weaving in and out of the trees, poking now and then at fallen leaves with a thin stick. After a half hour, he discovers where the big antelope stopped feeding and lined out. Going to bedding cover now, Rusty explained. We ease forward, Rusty watching ahead as the old tracker concentrates on the ground sign. Unexpectedly, there is a thundering noise, a vibration registering through the feet as much as the ears. I look to see Rom turn and shrug apologetically. Dust is billowing just beyond him. He has bumped the herd. It is made off without exposing a hair. Obviously, we've blown this hunt. The animals know predators are following. We haven't a chance of catching them now. I'm all for returning to the truck and finding fresh spoor, but neither Rom nor Rusty shares my pessimism. We'll have to be more careful now, Rusty says, but they'll be expecting us. The tracks of the running prey splay obviously in the dry soil. We jog along to cut the distance and save time, slow again when the spore indicates a walking gait. Another hour and more thudding, more dust, bumped them again. Still we track, a half hour more. More beating hooves, Rom crouches, pointing ahead. See them, Rusty asks and points. Buckskin hides flash through the forest ahead, passing through an opening perhaps ten yards wide. Get ready to shoot when I say. The bull will be near the back of the herd. No sooner is my three thirty Dakota mounted than a large black spiral horned eland flashes into the opening. Shoot! The crosshairs swing through a big shoulder. The rifle roars and the bull falls, punched through both massive shoulders with a 210-grain X-bullet. Many rural African tribes are famous for these tracking skills. The small-statured bushmen of southern Africa 
perhaps the most celebrated. They are said to be capable of tracking a small lizard across a rock. I haven't had the pleasure of watching a Bushman work, but the Shangan tribesmen employed by Rusty proved more than adequate. Identifying and successfully following the spoor of warthogs, steenbuck, diker, kudu, and leopards over bone-dry soil. How do they do it? I asked Rusty. Ah, you must understand these men grew up in the bush on small farms, the PH said. As little boys, they are in charge of the cattle. Every day they have to drive them out to pasture, then drive them back. And woe if they lose any. They quickly learn to trail up and find wandering heifers and goats. With all those hours in the woods, they soon learn the subtle differences between native game tracks. Often they track small game that they have wounded. Sometimes they track marauding leopards. The best of these rural herders can read the African ground like you read a book. Because of the availability of such talent, much game on the dark continent is taken by tracking. Such is no longer the case in North America where stand hunting dominates in the whitetail woods. Glassing and stalking remain the preferred approach for wild sheep, mule deer, antelope, and elk in open country. Still hunting is about as close as the majority of us will come to tracking. As we ease through cover, we watch for fresh tracks and we hunt more cautiously when we find them. Sometimes we even follow them a short distance. But usually we lose even the freshest track when it crosses others, enters hard ground or grassy fields or extensive leaf litter. Even in snow, we readily abandon fresh spoor when it mixes slightly older tracks of any number. The time invested in unraveling a temporarily tangled trail seems extravagant to us. We'd rather be elsewhere finding new sign, hoping by luck to stumble across a real living buck. This, of course, is silly, considering that most whitetails and pronghorns remain within a relatively small home range from day to day. Even elk, notorious wanderers, stick to a single mountainside when undisturbed. Fresh wapiti tracks often lead to their makers within a few hours or a half a day at most. Last November, Mark and Alan Sands and I proved this in an Idaho mountain range during a late-season muzzleloader hunt. The archery and rifle seasons had been hot and dry, but snow started falling just two days before our hunt. These were just the conditions we were hoping for. Nevertheless, despite six inches of fresh powder it took us three days to find elk. We cut tracks each day, but never more than a handful, and those that we followed without success were mostly because we didn't stick with them long enough. After snooping along four tracks for less than an hour our first morning, pushing and clawing through dog hair stands and blowdowns, we abandoned them to still hunt across what we thought would be more productive benches near the mountain crest. The mental image of big bulls standing in the snow just over the next rise overpowered the more mundane task of sticking to those tracks. The second day, we resolved to stay with a fresh spore most of the morning, inching along slowly, always watching ahead and to the sides so we could spot bedded animals before they spotted us. Such concentration, not to mention the steady climb up steep slopes, wore at us until we finally gave up as the tracks lined over a steep, rocky face near the top of the mountain. We were getting so far from the road that, even if we found the elk, we weren't sure we wanted to pack them out. Finally, on our last full day of hunting, we split up and struck pay dirt. 
a veritable feedlot of tracks all over a snowy mountainside, covered with sage and grass and young aspens. It was a nocturnal feeding zone, which Alan and I circled to find fresh tracks exiting. These we followed up and up and up until we smelled elk, found freshly abandoned beds and more fresh tracks, including Mark's. He'd apparently cut the same trail ahead of us, so we veered off and we were soon following new prints. But waning attention cost us our chance. At noon, tired, hungry, and late for a rendezvous at the truck, we started moving too fast and we bumped a small herd at about 150 yards. If only we'd maintained our vigil another 15 minutes, we likely would have spotted tan highs and chocolate heads in the snowy firs. This constant vigilance is probably the reason so few hunters track anymore. It's hard work. You must maintain focus, pay constant attention to air currents, almost tiptoe around noisy brush and rocks while unceasingly scanning the woods just at the far edges. Do this and you can reap great rewards. Just the other week, Tom Berger and I cut fresh wild hog tracks in the snow but not where we expected. Instead of being down in the River Valley woods, those tracks cut across an upland pasture dotted with young cedars. The previous day's snow was melting and the pig prints were almost fresh enough to smell. We proceeded slowly, watching well ahead. When the obvious spur crossed a low ridge, we eased over, scanning new ground that appeared with each step. When the cloven imprints led into a thicket, We circled above it to keep the wind in our favor until we cut tracks on the far side. If we hadn't found exiting tracks, we would have known those pigs were still in that dark cover, then inched forward accordingly. But the tracks were fresh, so fresh and melting so fast that our natural inclination was to hurry. But we were experienced just enough to know that haste could ruin everything. We needed to be stealthy and observant to spot those porkers before they detected us, and we did. While inching over another small rise, we saw the herd foraging around a cedar thicket. You take the biggest one on the left. I'll take the biggest one on the right. On four. Ready? Ready. One, two, three. Two shots proved that tracking, once again, was the hunter's art that should not be neglected. (laughs) Oh yeah, tracking is really an art form and boy does it take patience and strength, strength of character (laughs) as much as anything. It's just, uh, I don't know, our society is so bent on speed and getting things instantly or in a hurry that it is really tough to, to assume that, that style of the old woodsman where time really wasn't all that important. The job at hand was important in following those tracks. But as many of the old school hunters who do track can attest, you can just find some impressive animals by really working on your tracking skills. And if I'm going to recommend someone to study, it would be the Benoit brothers from Maine. Uh, There are several good books out either by them or about them. I know Bryce Towsley has written at least two good books on them and the way that they hunt. And they are famous for getting on a track in the snow and following it until they come upon massive old whitetail bucks. Extraordinarily successful folks. So 
do a search for Bryce Towsley's books on the Benoit Brothers. We'll try to put up a link here for you so you can find them easily. Bryce is a heck of a writer, very entertaining, and he really gives you the interesting facts in a fashion that's easy to read. So you'll want to check that stuff out. And then study trackers from Africa if you can. I've written several articles about trackers. I know in this one I said I'd never worked with a Bushman. But since then, I have hunted behind Bushmen several times, and they are absolutely amazing trackers. How they can decipher tracks in a sand is what I don't understand. You know, in mud or snow or someplace where you've got a clear outline, it's fairly easy. But these guys will do it in shifting sands, and to me, that just looks like a dimple. <laughs> and they'll know what animal made that dimple. It's amazing. So you can study them. I would say just kind of do a general search of tracking. There are several books out there. But then you have to apply yourself. And the easiest place is in a good snow. The easiest time is a fresh snow. And one that's just an inch or two deep. So you, And, and a, cold, a wet snow is better than a cold snow. The cold snow can be like sand. It wants to sift in on itself, and it looks like pockmarks. But if you can find a wet snow, they leave pretty crisp prints there. And you can start following that. And snow also helps by making it easier to spot the animals up ahead, obviously. All white landscape with a dark animal, bingo. <laughs> Unless you're hunting mountain goats. So, yeah, I definitely uh, urge you guys to really enhance your hunting experience and become a more well-rounded woodsman. I would definitely recommend working on tracking. Uh, give it some time. It's going to take time. But, boy, once you start to figure out how it works and have some success, you're going to be sold on the whole process. When conditions are ripe, don't neglect the art of tracking. Hey, this is Ron Spomer. I invite you to subscribe to this channel and give us a thumbs up. And also check us out at Ron Spomer Outdoors, uh, regular YouTube channel where we cover guns and ballistics and shooting and fun stuff like that. RonSpomerOutdoors.com is our website where you can find RSO TV, a subscription service with some hunting videos and more in-depth reviews of guns and ammo and hand loading and lots of fun stuff. So glad to have you folks along. Hunt honest and shoot straight. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.